welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join our conversations with professional working artists. Douglas Sigworth, I could not be less happy to see your smiling face here this morning. How are you? <laughs> Today is the day that we just released Bennett's episode, and we usually have a little breather, a couple days from each other, maybe a week, and we can kind of like, you know, prepare for the next one, but we're both rushing off here, and so we're jumping right into the next one. There's no way I'm taking my microphone and my little portable studio here on the road, so we're recording this one on the fly. What's going on? What's going on is I am maybe about five bins away from slamming the back door shut on my van, and I'm ready to head south, head down to the land of music and food and art. and You know, I'm excited about you going to New Orleans Jazz Fest. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't completely jealous. My wife and I did not get into that one this year, neither one of us. Um, I've actually never gotten a dip at the well at that one, so congratulations. Thank you. I'm I'm super excited, and it's the thing where we got juried in in 2020, so we got, we got the notice in 2019, and then we all know what happened after that, so there was the constant rolling over of this event and for it to be finally happening I'm just so enthused. I'm really happy for you. Also, uh, don't talk about it anymore. I'm really tired of it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. No, but listen, it's my first time going. So, of course, I'm going to sound all giddy and happy Absolutely. about it. So, I don't profess to be like the one who juries into Jazz Fest every single year. No, so. I, it's funny, though. That one, um, because of the constant rollovers, I haven't even had a chance to reapply for, what, three years now. So, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a tough one. One thing you said last week it, that was was kind of interesting that's been stuck in my mind this weekend because we just recorded it a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> Yesterday. Yeah, is, is about that Jazz Fest thing. You know, another – you're talking about the fact that, you know, you're going to have to be ready to pack and ship things. But one thing yeah. that I think you're going to be really surprised about that event is that it's such a neighborhood thing. Like it's mm-hmm. actually a neighborhood party. People just – they come out on their porches. You're going to see people walking with their chairs from blocks away just from their own front porches. It's just an amazing neighborhood event. It's like international talent, but just total neighborhood New Orleans thing that you're just going to get to be a part of. So uh, have a blast. Eat all the food. If you're on any kind of diet, if you and Renee are watching any kind of calories, throw it out the window. Okay. Eat all the food, drink all the drinks, have an amazing time. Uh, that's I appreciate that because the you know this this topic this conversation I had with Linda Day was really kind of getting me back in the game of being enthused about doing things again. I mean, I noticed last episode when we were recording and I'm I'm like stressing about the details about preparing for the show and it was kind of sucking some of the joy out of it. Mm. And so it just feels really great. First of all, to have had her kind of get my head on straight again and to remember why we're in this business. It's to live life and to have experiences and, you know, to to take advantage of the fact that I'm going to like the coolest festival 
in the world with this awesome music and awesome food. And yeah, there's some art there too, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's going to be a huge, awesome. Sorry, Will, I'm, I'm, I can see you're, you're shrinking before my eyes. Here. Oh, that was, <laughs> you hear me yeah, I muted you. <laughs> I just, you started in, I just like, God, just tell me when you're done, dude. Tell me when okay, you're done. Well, I just want to let you know, to keep me humble, we were talking about being in this, this great show, this great opportunity. Right. I got a rejection last week, which, God. Man, it did a number on my head. Oh, yeah? Which, uh, <laughs> who gave you the- I don't want the... to talk about which show it was, but it's one of those shows that's a good show, good and wagon. it's a show that I do regularly, and and you kind of feel like, even though you know it's competitive, and there are some shows that you you stop kind of feeling like you have to hold your breath on, that maybe you kind of feel like it's it's a thing that you're going to be there. Didn't get in. Yeah. It's like, oh! Riding this wave in this business is hard. It is. You know, I, I totally know what you mean. And it's, it's, I never like to admit when I don't get into a show, especially when you start talking to clients when they're like, oh, are you going to be at so and so? And you're like, oh, you know, it didn't fit with my schedule this year, is always my line. That's my, yeah, that didn't <laughs> fit with my schedule. I, I didn't fit with their, uh, you know, as opposed to the, some of the artists online call it the, the PFU, the please fuck off yeah. is, is uh, what you get instead of a, an acceptance or a, a whatever. You know, it does keep you humble, Douglas, but you never know. I mean, sometimes some of those shows, you don't get in and it, they do you a favor. You get into something else. Uh, there was a hell of a weather weekend totally. this past weekend in both yeah. Oklahoma City, mm. who had tornadoes, and then South Lake. Gosh, we also had South Lake that had the threat of rain all Sunday. And I don't know if they ever got it on Sunday evening as at pack up. I did hear that they broke down the show early. Oh, did they really? That people were able to some people were were thinning out because they're looking at radar and looking at the inevitable. Started thinning things out until the show gave the actual go ahead. And then it was like Get out of town before everything turns into chaos mm -hmm. here. So I, I think they were given enough notice and warning to to kind of protect. That's everything. nice. It's it's kind when the show keeps us in mind, not just until five o'clock when the show is over, but five to seven mm -hmm. when we have to be packing up our precious belongings. You know, a lot of people can't. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I can't totally. throw that stuff in the truck wet. You know, especially if you're going to no. be leaving or you can't unpack it for two weeks and and all that. So. If it blows over on the ground and hits the ground, we've got broken glass. Yep. So then it's like it's a it's a losing proposition as opposed to making sales. So yep, we all know the challenges. You know, one of the things that Lynn and I talked a little bit about, but I wanted to talk more about it with you, is the nature of our business of kind of this showing up, being in person, mm -hmm. and being our own bosses, that we have this need to impose deadlines on ourselves in order to put our backs up against the wall, to have that tension, to have that that push and that pull, right. that yin and that yang, in order for us to really like keep propelling ourselves forward. I think that's why everybody struggled through COVID. We didn't have any kind of imposed mm. deadlines. It's like, well, if you'd been able to have those kind of deadlines on yourself during COVID, we all would have had just, just reams of artwork all the way through. I remember one director mm -hmm. saying, you know, after somebody canceled, a show saying, well, what the hell have you guys been doing for the past year and a half? 
<laughs> Drinking. Uh, I, I did bristle at that, but at the same, it's like, shh, never mind your own business. <laughs> mind your own business. Quit sending me emails. <laughs> well, we all have to walk in each other's shoes. I mean, yeah, they might not understand the delicate balance. You know, go, talking about the delicate balance, I read an article uh, that was posted online after Dogwood that the executive director did an interview with their local paper talking about how their festival and they presumed a number of other in-person events, I don't know if they were limiting it to art shows or if they were saying in general, are struggling because they can't get volunteers, they can't get funding, they lost money through COVID. Behind the scenes, it might be a little more touch and go than we all know right. with some of these events. Yeah, I, that's terrifying. Uh, I know we've all struggled this this past few years and we're still kind of struggling to put the pieces together, but it was a scary article to read, which is why I didn't read it. Uh, <laughs> you said block it. Well, I saw the block headline and I was like, yeah, I'm not, not going to read that one. No, no chance. No chance. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what do you think about that kind of like that riding that wave of uncertainty? I mean, do you 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 seem kind of like a logical, intellectual kind of person who like I don't know that it's there are some people when you say that meant to be thing about well, if I didn't get into that show, maybe it wasn't meant to be that kismet, that like higher power kind of looking down on us kind of, you know. Yeah. How do you feel about that whole topic or that you know, situation? Uh, part of me, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I've got the yin and the yang. It's like, I've got my lucky shirt mm -hmm. that I'll wear, you know, I've got, I've got this shirt, this short sleeve shirt that I, that I've been wearing at, at shows the last year. Yeah. I've only worn it a, you know, a handful of times, but I don't wear it uh, in my regular life. It's, uh, that's only my show shirt and it's got, it's got okay. killer money in it. It's got a, you know, it, I may have burned it out in Fort Worth, but it's, uh. I feel like that shirt's got money in it. That's horseshit. It's sizzling right now, uh, right? Yeah, but it, I know that that's <laughs> horseshit. The only reason, you know, I feel good in that shirt. And if you feel good, yeah. you're going to do uh, well. So that I know it's like Michael Schweigman and I are, he's, he's one of my very best friends. And I, and I, I talked to him uh, a lot about luck and logic and he does not believe in luck at all and i can tend to yeah. kind of fall more in his line it's like well it's really just logic you know you have these these things that you go through and if you're set up with your business plan you're like if i have x amount of this if i can sell x amount of this then the right people come along then i can sell one or two of the big thing i mean that's really more of your your business model and it has more to do with feeling good, being open to the sale, imagining yourself in the right place and being there and 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 setting yourself up for success than it does luck. Oh. I don't really believe in in total luck to be honest. Total. Well, so you you create the space for you to be in the right mindset. Yes. Well, not just that, but you 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 create the space for yourself to be in the right mindset, but you have to be in the right show too. I could be in the right mindset in, you know, at the hearing aid festival in Wiscatchewan, I am not going to make any money. Which I hear is an amazing show. And I know <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's, that's good. It's money right there. And <laughs> you hear it. You hear it's great. Come on, Douglas. All right. Uh, but you know what I mean? And I'm not sure. I know. Totally. Yeah. Well, an extension from that is not just in the sales aspect of things, but something that Lynn talks about in her book, 
is she talks about doing that same kind of technique with getting ourselves in the creative zone for making our work. If we're showing up to work and we've got this long list of things we need to do, we need to finish this piece for a gallery, we have a commission for uh, somebody, we've got to get ready for this show, and we're only thinking of the external and repeating the old formula, it's so hard to be creative and so hard to bring ourselves to that place. But if we create a space where we prime the pump, she calls it, we play, we get enthused about our work again, that then you get those juices flowing and then you kind of shift back into that lane. And that's what's worked for her over the years is to allow herself the freedom to be expressive and creative. I know that's important. The problem that I run into with that, I know it's important and I know I need to take the time, but sometimes I feel like I don't have the time to take the time to make the time. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my God, I just have to get to work. And then I realize like, well, I'm a lot more productive if I exercise during the day. I can't be productive. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm at the easel. My line quality is not great. I'm working on this piece and I'm like, I'm taking breaks and I'm stepping back. I'm like, you know, if you wouldn't just panic and try to work through it, if you just take an hour long hike and get outside, then you'd come back in and the quality of your work would be much better. So I, I can't it wait. It just locks in. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to hear the talk. Well, for me, what gets in the way for me has been over the years, the fear of wasting expensive raw materials. Mm. So with glass, you kind of feel like everything we make needs to have an outcome. It needs to be like we're making a vase for somebody or a vessel. Um, we're making something that has to turn out exactly how it's envisioned. Why I got into glass blowing is I like the conversation with the material where it's like the material does this and then I do that. And it's like this kind of like how we yin and yang back and forth Uh when we're talking here. We kind of ebb and we flow. And when I'm working in that it has to look this way or it has to turn out that way, that can really, it can really put the brakes on. Can you be more of, um, I mean, you are an artist, but you're also a bit of a tradesman, you and Renee. Mm -hmm. Um, When she is into, like, say Renee's into a a headspace, can she just be a worker? Can she just be a tradesman if she's not in a creative space? Or can you back each other up on Um, I haven't talked about this on the podcast. We really operate as one person. Mm Mm-hmm even though we're a partnership in our work, because the way we work is we design the work together, but then in the execution of it, there's one person who has to be what's called the gaffer when you're a glassblower. The gaffer is the person who's making those instinctual kind of decisions as the piece is evolving and changing. We can't step back from our easel. We don't have an easel sure. and say, should we add a little more blue to that? Should we do a little of that? It's like playing soccer. It's like somebody just kicked you a ball and you've got to quickly instinctually react to right. it. So I take the lead. I'm the gaffer at the beginning of the piece. We do the layering based on how we've planned it out. But there's variances on how every single piece is going to turn out with how we, I layer all the clear and the colored glass onto our blowpipe. Then I hand the piece over to her and she does the final shaping and the form, which basically divides the workload in half. But throughout the process, one of us is the leader and one of us is the follower. Right. So if the leader isn't there to show up and they can't do their part of it, then it's a wasted day. Okay. So we find other things. I guess to do. that's my my question. Like if you if you start in, like you can't just be 
you, you can you just lean into the the utilitarian uh, factor? It's like mm-hmm. I know how X, Y, and Z goes. It's like a bricklayer almost, where you no. I, the creative yeah. part has happened in the past, and you can just lean into the past works. We both have made work from start to finish as students, and been like the gaffer all the way through, and we could do it again. But our uniqueness of how we do our work is our work reflects the partnership. So the work reflects how I described our situation. And if I finished a piece, for example, if Renee's got a pinched nerve in her shoulder or something, and I finished the pieces, it would look like a different body of work. Yeah. It would look like a different artist. Right on. Um, so the this work that we do is reflective of the steps that we do. So yeah, those are that's just how we have to have to do things. Sounds good. Um, so it's an interesting week this week because I have not actually listened to the Lynn Whipple talk yet. Typically, I'll right. get a chance to listen to the interview and then I'll yeah. you know reflect on it or uh, lead up to it. Uh, this time I can just I can just assume or uh, guess <laughs> what your talk is going to be about. <laughs> I'm always like um, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to talk to John Whipple further down the line. But what I've always loved about the Whipples is their creativity, John's headiness, and Lynn's energy and action and her personality comes through into her painting. So I'm excited to kind of lean into some of that personality. Getting to know them, what really strikes me is they have different personalities, but what they both have at the heart of it is their willingness to play. They both are very playful and joyful when it comes to their work and just trying stuff and letting things evolve and creating a space for inspiration. So I kind of felt a little bit like I was having a talk with Brene Brown uh, during this interview. Right on. Uh, so maybe some people will find a little bit of that uh, no shame. And, you know, this uh, has been uh, – it's funny <laughs> that you say that because it kind of segues out of uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked to Bennett, which is, has been actually not that long ago in real time. Yes. <laughs> but uh, they're going from Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and Abby uh, talking – it's, it's a bit of a feminist – motivational speaker uh, chunk. It's been an empowering couple of weeks, uh, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we went from toxic masculinity back into feminist empowerment. So I'm, I'm excited about this yin and yang section of the podcast. Let's get right into the talk, Douglas. You want Let's to? Let's do it. Let's turn this interview on with Lynn Whipple from Winter Park, Florida. This episode of the Independent Artist Podcast is brought to you by Zap the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect. I see here there are some new features with the events list category through Zap, which will help us with looking up new shows to fill a spot in our schedule. You know, I feel like I should have something to say, but I wasn't really listening to you because I'm looking at the events list right now, and it's pretty cool. (laughs) Okay, so you drop the menu down, and there at the bottom, go scrolling all the way, about third thing down in the smaller print, it just says events list. That's right. All of the shows appear here, regardless of their application deadline. You can use filtering and sorting to narrow down your search to find the right show that fills your desired time frame or location. I know a lot of people love that calendar. I like seeing the list of events. I like scrolling through and doom scrolling late at night. It's like online dating. They don't let you swipe left or right, but you can figure out who you want to date coming up here. Lynn, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I'm so happy to be with you, Douglas. I listen to the podcast and I love it. So thank you. Thank you. That is so sweet of you. Thank you. I know we've talked about having you on for a while and 
I have to say the way we organize our talks does come pretty organically, and it kind of feels like things have their moment. And I really am having a moment right now where I need to talk to Lynn Whipple. (laughs) (laughs) I need some of that Lynn Whipple enthusiasm, some of that joyfulness. (laughs) It's hard sometimes this job we do because it's not just one job. It's a thousand little jobs and we wear the hat of so many, right? And you also have a few professional jobs on top of just having the multiple jobs it takes to be an artist. You know, you take on the role of author and the role of teacher and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I don't know what I'm doing. I just try and share the stuff that I love. And that really is it. I had no idea how to write a book. I thought I used to sit out there in my little studio and go, I guess this sucker's not going to write itself. I guess I start putting things down. It was just like a painting, really. You just start throw some stuff at the canvas and then start moving it around and editing it. Nobody tells you how to write a book. I'll tell you that. Like I thought, oh, they're going to coach me along, you know. Nope, they didn't really. I just had to do it. That was something I wanted to talk about. Was that an opportunity that that came to you organically or is that something that you thought, I'd like to write a book and you sought out that opportunity? It was kind of twofold. I think a long time ago, I can't even remember my cats here. Woody, he's going to get involved. I think it might have been through Carla Sondheim, who I was teaching online classes with. And Carla is marvelous. And she has, gosh, eight books or something. And they're all creative. And so I think she might have put me in touch with someone. And then it just took off from there. I see. I think she emailed and I sort of followed up and off we went. Do you have one book? More than one book? No, I just have one. But Carla, though she was a great sort of a cheerleader and and, and inspiration. You know, she's like, oh, I think you have a book. Let me reach out to Quarry Publishing is the name of it. When she said you have a book, did she mean your teachings, like the technical teachings of paint, how to paint? Or was it more of that mentoring part of it that that you can do this, this this life lesson kind of (laughs) thing that you have going as well? Yeah, it was sort of a combination. I think it was because I had a really popular class about painting Mm -hmm. really loose flowers and layering and not worrying and spinning the canvas and all that. And it was so Mm -hmm. um, fun and freeing for people that she thought Mm -hmm. that would probably make a good book. So it kind of went that path. And and then it sort of Mm -hmm. got infused with just the way I think about life and, you know, let's not worry, Mm -hmm. let's make it fun, you know, let's do that. So that kind of got filled into the book as well. That does kind of seem like the root of how you operate. You kind of boil it down to that creating a creative space for yourself. Definitely. That's a beautiful way to put it. And then giving yourself the freedom to mess it up, to muck it up, to try something new. It's like, for me, that's the best part. But something always comes out of it, you know, or you can Mm -hmm. cut it up or you can just like... If you just get something going, you know, before you know it, something starts to build and you just respond and move and go and move. And and that's the only way I know how to do anything. I watched your Seesaw episode last night to kind of get my head in oh. the, the Lynn Whipple zone. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it was Lord. good. It was really good. Oh, thanks. You know, I didn't know what I was doing at all. I just had like a little camera, you know, out there. And I just, here we are. This is our little life. So yeah, it was fun. Well, that's going to kind of be, in my mind, the crux of our talk is putting ourselves in 
positions that, you know, trying new things or whatever and and how that just organically sends us down a path that is good and exciting. <laughs> I think it's good. I think you have to work with what you love and, you know, use your own brain and you know, we all have a different way of processing. So if you just work with how your brain works and off you go, you know, to kind of yeah. light yourself up and just see what happens. That's that's my way. Cool. <laughs> well, where did that where did that come from? I mean, is that from childhood? Is that how you were raised? Yeah, I guess so. I never really thought about where it came from, but you know, my mom was a, a high school teacher, creative writing and English. And okay. she was an artist and we went to art festivals with her in the summer when she wasn't teaching and she was a, a painter and a sculptor and just a great, fun mom. She did all of our sets, you know, painted our sets for our school plays and like she was that okay. mom. So I just, it was all around us. My grandmother, we had a piano. My grandmother played piano. My sister just could draw like great, funny animals and stuff. That's just what we did. So it isn't like you're like the lone creative duck in the family. It almost seems like you come from a tribe of creatives. A bunch of ducks, a bunch of creative ducks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's us. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, I, I mean, that's the, that's the ideal for any of us artists. I think a lot of artists kind of feel like they are an alien in their tribe of family members, like you know, who we yeah. have to escape and make this this return to or this evolution into what we want to create in life and kind of strip this baggage. But you didn't come into this with that kind of creative baggage, it sounds like. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't. I know my husband, John, who's a great artist, was always an artist as a kid. His dad yeah. was very worried for him that he could make a good living. The joke is, why don't you be an orthodontist? Like they'd whisper in his ear when he was sleeping. <laughs> orthodontist you know <laughs> just oh, but but because they loved him and they wanted him to succeed in life and his dad was kind of a business yeah. guy so they steered him away even from fine art and he's a degree in, uh, degree in graphic design so there is this pressure because they want you to succeed you know but i didn't i did not have that pressure okay so they were in encouraging a, a creative field that you could also make a paycheck at, basically, is is what yeah. I'm hearing you say. That that they For endorsed John. that. Like they realized, yeah, he's he's a we've got a creative kid here and we're not gonna turn him into an orthodontist, but at least they, they right. sent him they they kinda <laughs> half endorsed a creative life. Exactly. And it was all out of love. Okay. You know, they just want him to do well right. in life. But I can see, you know, just I have that experience knowing his family. Mm -hmm. But then he did well, you know, he's and then the, his dad would just light up like, oh, my God, okay, the kids are going to make it like he was so proud of us having two right. artists somehow, you know, putting it together. We I mean, half the time we were like, we don't know what the heck we're doing. But we just kept showing up and somehow, you know, we were able to pay the bills barely sometimes, but we did it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he began to trust that we were on the right track. And, you know, as, as a dad wanting the best, he endorsed our crazy life. <laughs> <laughs> the parents are okay when they feel like, okay, maybe the, the kid isn't going to be coming and asking for a loan every couple of weeks. They can feel like, okay, they can stand on their own two feet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe they'll take care of us one day. You know, there's that. Right. You know, we won't have to take care of them forever. Maybe it'll all work out, but it worked out. So you said John went on for graphic design, but yourself, were you in the arts? Did you go to college to be an artist? So that's, I think, a, another reason now that we're talking about it, that I didn't have that 
I didn't have a degree. I mean, I always made art. I studied art. My mom made art. My sister, like my granddad painted. Everybody was yes. just doing it, but I did not yes. get a degree. So I sought out okay. knowledge by reading and traveling and art museums and books. And, you know, I was always interested, went to museums, all that stuff, but I did not that, have that, a degree. And I don't. Like that lifelong learner. Yeah. Self-talk. That enthusiasm is what led you down the path mm-hmm. to the next next thing. Exactly. So you met John and the two of you were working for for Nickelodeon. Is that how you guys met and that's Yep, we was were. kind of <laughs> Yeah, and he was so stinking cute and I was like, "Hmm, that guy's pretty cute." You know, you know how you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like good legs and he's also I was an athlete, you know, in college, he had a running scholarship. Uh-huh. I told my girlfriends, "If he wears shorts tomorrow because we were in this film class that's how we really met and then we got our jobs okay and i said if you wear shorts tomorrow and he's got good legs i'm going in you know i'm gonna see what i see about this guy (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know him at all and he i remember he would be sitting in class drawing everyone like he was drawing i could tell you know how somebody's staring at and you kind of know i could tell he was drawing me and then but he was drawing her and Uh him and everyone so there was that weird kind of cool thing. So your spark was... Re- yeah, he wore shorts the next day and awesome <laughs> legs. And I'm like, oh, I've got to find out more about this guy. And the cool thing about that was in this film class, it was uh, put on by the state of Florida to train people for films coming here. You know, it was a big new business uh-huh. in this area. And like oh. Universal Studios and all that, that all that jazz. Oh, right, right, because you're in Winter Park near Disney. Yeah, so yeah, Disney, got, Universal, all that okay. stuff. Theme parks up gotcha. there. So um, we, this was actually really a good memory. We were tasked to make a third of a feature film. This is how this class went, and it was okay. backed by Steven Spielberg. It was there was special money given to it by, I forget who the president was then. That's terrible. Ronald Reagan or something. So it was this really interesting thing (laughs) that we got to be a part of this, all these professionals teaching us how to actually make a film. And we made a film, a third of a film. So we had to find our locations and I'm out looking for locations and all these weird streets and finding props. And I found this cool building and it was all, um, it was just weird and covered in, plants and i was looking through the window and i saw this cool old horse and it was made out of plaster a life-size sort of a you know carousel horse made out of plaster and i thought it was so cool so the next day at school i told him i found this place and it's got this horse and oh my god it's the coolest building it's got old barn doors and he's like you're describing my studio that's my horse i made that oh my gosh and i was like Oh my gosh, exactly. <laughs> I like, like him. This is, this is more than just the physical attraction. Yeah. This is like this is like the creative soulmate that you're meeting up with at this point in time. Yeah, it was great because I thought he's super talented and he's fun and funny and smart. He's all the stuff. So yeah, that's how we met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I had made the leap incorrectly that that you guys met at Nickelodeon. So then how did the two of you end up there from college? So we got out of this film training program, you know, this, and it was months and months sure. long. And then we, the classes were held on Universal, the lot where the sound stages were. Uh-huh. And then right about then, Nickelodeon came in. They had just built, you know, their big sound stages in Florida on that lot. And it was just a fluke thing. Like one guy that was in our class, this big tall guy, and he's like, if you go right now to that soundstage over there and tell them you're willing to do anything, they're going to hire you. 
And we literally just okay. walked over there and said, hi. Hightailed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're sa- they said, do you know how to paint? Like they were stressed out. Do you know how to paint? Can you spray paint a fish? And I say, yes. And they go, okay, here's a bunch of foam this big. And uh, we need you to spray paint four fish and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, uh, okay. So there it was. And we worked there. For- <laughs> and that started there. That was it. It was just like a total fluke. And then I'm like telling other people, oh, you guys, come on over. They need people. Like, just come, come right now, you know, and, and let's, yeah. and we all started working there. It's a real organic way of, of doing things. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're in college, you're doing the film class, you got the art thing. And then it's like, we just kind of like whatever thing gets shaken in front of our face, we go, I'm going in that direction. And then that takes <laughs> you down a path and then you're going in that direction. So yeah. working there, that laid the groundwork for working in a professional kind of creative type job, did it give you the awareness of kind of the vision of where you wanted to go personally yourselves, like where your life wanted to go from there? I think it did. I think it was so creative. It was so much fun. Like Mm -hmm. we were just this band of kind of idiots. We called the art department and we were sort of off to the side, of course. And then we had to create all the sets and the props and the, you know, paint everything. And just, we had to, make the whole, you know, backdrop for everything that they were filming. And it was just like kids TV. Mm -hmm. So it was fun. And yeah, but we just had so much fun, but we started salvaging like parts of the sets, you know, they're built with flats, these little chunks of wood, you know, and we'd take them out of the garbage and we'd like paint on them. And then we, we learned how to do all the scenic paintings. So we would just kind of use that in our paintings. And we were sort of this tribe of artists that we're all making our own stuff, but we were working at Nickelodeon. So it just kind of built. Ah, And we're still friends. We have a lot of friends that are still from that time, like great people. I have a background in theater. I, I was a theater major in college and had to do a lot of, we had to take all different disciplines behind theater, even though I knew I wanted to be a performing major. I still spent a lot of time in the scene shop and having to do all all that stuff. So I following you that whole story. I totally get it. We'd do a play and after the play, we'd all rip the muslin off the flats and it would be like tacked to my apartment room walls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great it was stuff, like, right? Just the cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. I love totally. that you did that. It makes perfect sense because you have that great personality and you're, you're so easy with just communicating and, you know, that's that comes well, through. It's certainly definitely like you do what you like and then the path kind of just unfolds itself. That's it. So for you, what led you out of Nickelodeon and kind of being your own person, kind of determining your, your own paths as as an artist? You know, that was um that was kind of an interesting path too, because at this same time, John's family had started a big warehouse with what do we have back then? At one point we had forty two artists or something in a gallery in the front. But anyway, so we had a big studio that we went to after work and we would be painting all night and we shared this big space. And so we were always doing our art all the way along and we would do the occasional art show. And then we were starting to get collectors. It was like all this like, oh my God, Ah. this is, this could work. This could work. And we just, you know. So it's like the balance started where things were kind of here. And then you guys, with this network of people in the art department, you were building a tribe over here. And this this studio started to show you that there was life out 
outside of Nickelodeon. Yes, because we could do our own ideas. That was the thing about Nickelodeon. We were doing somebody else's script and ideas, and it was so fun. But we just thought, gosh, you know, let's do what we want. Let's paint what we want. Let's. So we we finally took these risks and said no because we get another show. Yeah, most people would like kill to get that show. You know, we were doing well, right. you know, working hard. I the mean, stability of the paycheck is very intriguing and enticing and gives a lot of security. Yeah, but it, and it was fun but, and it was all this stuff. Uh-huh. You know, it was you were always learning. It was always yeah. a lot to do. But then we said, if, let's just put that energy into our stuff and see what happens. And slowly it just clicked, you know, big sale. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then you go, okay, let's. And then we used to just do Florida shows. And I remember when we got, you know, all ballsy and we said, we're going to go all the way across the country to Kansas City. And then we did it. Oh, okay. And it was great. You know, we made all this money, uh-huh. which was not a lot of money, but it was like, oh, my God. So now we're on the road. Now we're you know, further and further out in the country, figuring it out. Yeah, the world just opened wide. The, mm-hmm. the, the possibilities became limitless. Exactly. It's, yeah. You know that that starry-eyed every time you were in the van on your way to a show. It's like so fun. You've got new work and you're just like seeing your friends. I mean, it's a great adventure. You know, we love this life. It's a fun life. It's a, an adventurous life. It's <laughs> it, in. It's a good reminder when it seems like like the schedule gets packed full and there it's when you start squeezing yourself in with so many commitments mm-hmm. that those adventures, those trips, when they start losing their kind of like wonder and mm. they're what am I going to come across, you know, in this part of the country or whatever, then it starts to feel like work <laughs> and it starts yeah. to feel like you have to come back to your roots of looking for those those opportunities for inspiration to jump in. I totally agree. And there's definitely times when it's work, like setting up and it's hot mm-hmm. and you've been driving and you stayed up, you know, till super late finishing stuff before, you know, we we used to be really late people. We started, we've gotten a little smarter over the years. Like we just say, okay, let's, you know, not wear ourselves to the bone and then get on the road for three days. And that, you know, but anyway, right. it, it, it's the wonder is there. No, you just have to say, okay, instead of just like barreling down the road, I see a sign for the Kentucky Bluegrass Hall of Fame. I think maybe we should stop mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, okay, jazz yourself back up, make yourself available to those surprises. Yeah. Because that's the fun, right? Right. Well, we were in Sun Valley last uh, August, and first time we'd ever been there. And during the whole entire show, we keep looking up and we're seeing these people paragliding off the (gasps) side of the big mountain hills or whatever, right? And Renee keeps turning to me and she's saying, we've got to do that on Monday. I look at her, I'm like, are you kidding me? I cannot believe that you would feel brave enough or would want to, you know, do that. I said, you realize we have to like hold on to this thing and we have to like run as if we're going to run right off the edge of the hill, you know, and that's going to take us, take us off. She was all for it. So she actually had me talked into it. I was reluctantly (laughs) willing to give it a shot, but they were closed on the Monday and we weren't there still. So we couldn't do it. So maybe next, we are in in Sun Valley this year. So I think she's going to want us to factor in either a day before or a couple days after to stick around and give that one a shot. See, I love that you were willing to do it. 
See, that's the whole thing, you know. God, I've been wanting to do that forever. The paragliding, like we did, we did a whole yeah. show season where we did every zip line that we came to. Like we had, we had a plan. Yeah. And uh, uh-huh. dear John, he John hates heights. He does not like heights. Oh. <laughs> no. So yeah. was, I'm not good with he heights either. Shut his eyes and like <laughs> his teeth, and he's like, "Do we really have to go to another?" I'm like, "Honey, it's it's the blah blah blah. This one, it's so special." So anyway, he, we. He was a good sport, but the paragliding thing, he somehow always made, oh, I missed the turn. Like he doesn't, he, he found a way to, he found a way to <laughs> even keep me off of it. Cause I think it, I even might go to the edge of a, a building, you know, up high. I'll go right to the edge and sure. uh, he'll like, oh God, come, can you come back and come closer? You know, he's really not a heights guy. Well, I didn't know it at that point. But I was probably taking a little bit of your advice, which is to always be willing to say yes. Yeah. I mean, that's one of your things, right? <sighs> to say yes. That got me everywhere I've gone. And I, so many yeses I said, I was like, I have no clue well, how to do this thing. I just said yes to. <laughs> like, that's how I got into teaching online. And I remember agreeing to it. And I'm thinking... I have mm-hmm. no clue how this works. I guess they're, and they flew to my studio and set up stuff. And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I just right. started doing what I do. And I was like, I, I guess that worked out. And then it did. It was a beautiful partnership, you know, for, I don't know, six, seven years. We haven't done much since COVID, but yeah, I had no clue, you know, but, but the thing about art, you know, art teaches us you don't necessarily know the outcome. So you got to just step mm-hmm. in and then you react to the next thing. Like you don't learn stuff or I don't all at one gulp. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. But if I just take each step, I get a little bit of information and then, you know, I can get there. It's problem solving. Right. It's like if we chart our own course of, okay, this is what I want to learn and this is how I'm going to learn it. And this is what I'm going to learn by the end of it. It's like, no, you have to learn it by experiencing it and allowing the discoveries to come. Exactly. It's got to be open enough that because you you don't know what you don't know, but you got to be willing to walk down the path. (laughs) And if you hate it, you just don't go that way. You know, you change. Yeah. Well, then you can say no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're not saying that you, you have to say yes to every aspect of the process, you still know what's right and what's not right for you. But it's putting yourself in a vulnerable place where you might look stupid, yeah. where you might not know everything and you might have to admit to somebody, tell me more about this. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not sure. <laughs> Am I? You know, but but what's that? That's just life. It's not like who really cares, you know, if, if you look foolish or you didn't, then somebody can help you and they feel good about, oh, I know how to help this person or, you know, it's not so bad. It is a gift. Yeah, maybe it's. It is a gift to somebody to allow them to help you along. Exactly. You know what I mean? We don't always have to be the one no. who is in the know or how, I mean, there's no, there's no reciprocal part of the relationship then if it's all what somebody's doing for you. Exactly. That's a great point, isn't it? It's like, that's how we yeah. manage in life, you know, and then we help each other and we just, I don't know, I guess, I guess I've just looked stupid and not known what I was doing for so long. I just doesn't, doesn't bother me that much. 
<laughs> so you, you've given up caring about it or have you never really cared about that whole feeling of how somebody would judge or interpret it? I think when I was a kid in school and I'd raise my hand when I wasn't like staring out the window, like daydreaming and drawing on my stuff and I'd get it wrong. I would just like, oh, mm. I never want to do that again. I don't want to raise my hand. I really wasn't paying attention. I don't know what I'm saying. So I did for a long oh. time, like kind of not, you know, reveal that I was, didn't have, a, didn't really know. But somewhere along mm -hmm. the line, it, that kind of stuff will stop you from doing something that you want to try. So it totally does. Might as well just try it, you know, and just it feels sometimes mm -hmm. you do feel stupid. But then there's a bravery mm -hmm. to that or an honesty to that. And then, like you say, people will come. You can ask for help. You can screw up. You can ruin mm -hmm. five paintings, whatever. You know, you take on commissions. You're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And then it's like this gut-wrenching, hard process sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. trying to think through someone else's brain. Mm -hmm. And then you just say, all right, I don't, I'm not doing commissions like that anymore. I have a whole way I do it. I'm going to do what I want to make. If you like it, great. See, I just have to learn. I We said yes to a project years ago, and it was completely out of our comfort zone. It went from creating a single piece that, you know, you could hold in your hands and have it be like on a table or mantle to being something that was hundreds of pieces being assembled and hanging from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with people who knew what they were doing and like architects and designers, and they gave me all the specs and all this. But when it came to the assembling of the piece, I still felt like we needed to participate in the positioning the glass on the structure the way we wanted it to. So we thought we had worked out all the bugs. We'd gotten like 75% of the money for this massive project. We show up, they have the, the scaffolds in the air, but the structures were touching the scaffolds. Hmm. And there was no other positioning that the scaffolds could be placed. Huh. So we're in a position where we can't hang the glass because you can't have metal scaffolds leaning up against Mm. <laughs> blown glass no. as we're doing it. So I had that moment in time where I thought to myself, we have said yes to something that we are not going to be able to do. And it was the scariest oh. feeling I have ever had. Ugh. Ever. Yes, I hate that feeling. But but it worked out. It worked out. It, but it worked out. Ta -da. People who who were in the know, who knew what to do, jumped in, came up with an alternative. It wasn't easy. And I tell you, we felt so proud of ourselves to have solved that puzzle. And it made us hungry to solve other puzzles just like that. That is you know the what I mean? greatest story. Exactly. Because now your brain says, oh, it didn't stop. The, the solve mm -hmm. came. And now you know the solve. Mm -hmm. Almost always the solve comes. That's, that's mm -hmm. like this faith or something. It's like, okay, it's going to work out. Maybe not the way I pictured it. Maybe, you know, yeah. I need 12 people to help but it that, that's the faith of being an artist i think is that it always somehow works out like how did we make a living all those years i don't even know but somehow some crazy person would buy you know some big piece and here's a check sure. in the mail from the guy it's like oh my god how do we keep getting away with this stuff you know and then you start to trust yeah it keeps working yeah Showing it's up. that moment of never saying quit Showing up and then never saying quit. 
Exactly. So, and those decisions and those experiences inform future decisions mm-hmm. because now you have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you can trust that somehow it will get worked out. See, that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. you can always pull back and say, oh, man, I, I don't know, you know. And then some great thing will come. I mean, it happens over and over and over, doesn't it? In life. It yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Mm-hmm. How did that concept even start to to come into focus for you? I mean, was this something that you have had your whole life or is it something that uh, was there a particular defining point where that was a realization that that was big for you? I think it was in our early days of being artists. I drove this Mm -hmm. ugliest black truck you ever saw. It had hail damage and rust, (laughs) and I could see the ground under my feet. I mean, it was horrible. And we we literally did eat, like, beans and ramen and all the stuff. But we were so excited about what we were doing. It just all seemed fine, you know? But we would would have these (laughs) moments like, I don't know how we're going to we just paid for a bunch of shows and I don't know how we're going to pay the electric. You know, we were uh, scared and then something would happen like the check in the mail or some wonderful person would come along and say, do you still have that painting? And it would work out. So then we started paying attention. I was like, honey, let's look. Okay. Right now, I don't know how this is going to work, but let's remind ourselves when the weird thing just happens and it works Let's pay attention to okay. it and let's like write it down. Let's like make a list like because I have no clue how we're going to pull this off. <laughs> and then it, when okay. it would work out, we would talk about it. Can you believe that that just happened? Like, oh, my God, we are so lucky. It's like a miracle, you know. What I like what you're describing, though, it is almost like a scientist's brain where you're like, OK, this happened and we're going to be in this position again. Let's create the structure. So that when we're in this position again, that we we have tools lined up to keep us on track. Yeah. To remind us that, oh, my God. But then it became this really fun game. It's like, okay, let's mm. let's just let this roll out and see how it's going to work out. And then we would just be kind of on okay. the lookout for these crazy little wonderful kismet things that we all, you know, all artists have it or some, you know, your truck breaks down and someone's selling a thing or, you know, all that cool stuff that just, just works out. The stories, yeah, we all have from being on the road. Well, back to kind of like this nurturing of kind of like the, the goal is creating a creative space to create the work, which the work ends up being the revenue source for us. So it's this complicated mess of things. So it sounds like you mechanically create structure around putting yourself in an environment that makes you stress-free or makes you happy, makes you feel creative. Can you talk a little bit about your routine or your structure and how that works with create, creating stuff? You know, there's a, there's so many funny things I've learned over the years. One of the things was deadlines for us deadlines were Mm. always happening because there's a show deadline and there's all the stuff but our gallery but the deadline forced us (laughs) to push through and find the solutions you know finish the body of work and Uh, get it so we always have had deadlines i think so yeah but Mm -hmm. the other piece of that is making it um i'm looking at my little art for it out here it's so enjoyable 
like I have every art supply that I'm interested in, I get like right now I'm painting with these big fat oil sticks and they're just creamy mm. and buttery. And if I get excited about it, I, I just get them and play with them. And, it, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think the setting yourself up to play, giving yourself the time and the space to just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going in there. I have no clue what I'm going to do. Even though mm-hmm. I need to finish three paintings and I got a commission, but I'm not thinking of it that way. I'm thinking I'm just going to make, uh, see what happens and then off I go. And then I start to solve mm-hmm. it. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, it has to be a pleasure for your brain, you know? Let me see if I understand correctly that. So you obviously have work that you have committed to a collector or a gallery or a show. And those are things that all of us can find that when we have to actually step up and start working on it, even if it's something we do regularly and routinely, it's when there's that outcome that we've committed to, it kind of gets in the way of us being able to do it freely and joyfully. But it sounds like you start with like a freeing kind of entry point. Like you will create work that is not within a desired outcome. And then when that starts rolling, you can kind of shift gears into the other thing. Is that is that what you were saying? That's kind of it. It's like, that's how I know to prime the pump. That's how I know to get myself in there and move in my hands. And then all the stuff starts to work. That's, yeah. I just set myself up to play knowing that once I get sort of engaged and excited and off I go, then it all works. But, you know, that that little inertia, you know, to get back in there uh-huh. after you've been off to a show and have fun and blah, blah. You come back, you're like, oh, oh now I got to get back in there. Or if you set yourself up or you work on, in my case, I can work on three paintings at a time, you know, and I just get started and I layer yeah. and I, you know, I just know how to make my brain find it fun. So I try and do it that way. And then once okay. you're engaged, you know, once you really are into it, hours and hours go by and off you go. Like you're just, something works out. Because for people who get kind of stuck where they just can't get the motivation, it kind of seems like if you physically just start moving the pain around or, you know, messing with some molten glass and not care what it turns into, that that can kind of get you out of your own way. That that's for me, that's everything. For John, too. Like, if it's mm. playful and, oh, my God, this cool thing. He's making sculpture right now for a jazz fest. And he's, like, having okay. the best time. Like, he's just having a ball. Like, oh, my God, this weird thing, this head I made for that fit on this better. And can you believe this nail was, like, the perfect old weird nail that just fit? You know, these little kismet things. I mean, it's, that's okay. all it is. It's, like, one big set of kismet play if you set yourself up for it. Yeah. Um, I come from, I wouldn't say my immediate family, but an extended family of kind of cynics. And when we talk about stuff like meant to be or kismet or getting really enthused about if the nail fits in perfectly into the sculpture, they kind of look at this kind of person and be like, something's weird about that dude. Or there's something inauthentic about it. It's it's like there's some strange deal. I mean, is this something you have ever experienced or are familiar with this kind of concept? Yeah, I'm familiar. And I just I just think there's 
different brains. You know, there's the logical great yeah. people and they hang with the logical great people and someone like me comes along. Maybe they go, that's nuts, but they can see that you're having fun and they respond to that or they don't. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you get your people, you don't. Mm-hmm. When I teach, you know, I teach workshops. Yeah. There's so much of that that happens in the world. Like they come in and everyone's got that story and you know, we all have it where someone made fun of them or someone put them down or an art teacher said, that's not how you do it. Stop it. Or you can't sing. Your voice is bad. Blah, blah, blah. We all get this outside critic and then we turn it as an inside critic. You know, I'm not good at this. I'm not an artist. Uh I can't draw. How many of us have that story? Right. And it turns into these self-limiting beliefs like that. It'll shape people's lives for years before they can like come to terms with that. And they don't allow themselves to create. So I just try and make a space when I teach. So it's like creating is what we're set up for. Like, this is why we're here. Like, it's supposed to be, you know, you're making a beautiful meal or you're raising a child or you're building. All that stuff is creativity Mm -hmm. in my brain. So let's just play. Don't cut yourself off from that. That's like who you are. Like, you can paint that sky Mm. orange or blue or I don't care. Green doesn't matter. Let's just do it. And then they get this, Mm -hmm. oh, I can just do it. And then you're like, yeah, this is supposed to be playful, you know? Then you can tighten it up at the end and all that crap if you want. But let's just keep it wide open. Just be be like a kid. So, like, living creatively and living freely – as as a creative type person making work like this, does that inherently make us an artist or does being an artist involve that next step of the commentary or or having it have to mean something or have a message? Can we be artists who create things with like extreme craftsmanship and joy or whatever? You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I think so. And I think everyone's different. You know, somebody's going to get great Mm -hmm. satisfaction out of the most fantastically, the realistic painting that is just exquisite, mouthwateringly perfect. You know, it depends on who you are, of course. But I think there's a great joy and freedom just by creating. I think we should allow ourselves that. And then mm-hmm. the rest is the rest. You know, if it sells, if you make a career of it, it doesn't matter. But you should let yourself write. Let yourself play. Let yourself paint the fence. I just painted our fence orange and red, big stripes. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> care if my neighbor thinks it's crazy. I, it's okay. You know, I love it. So just let yourself do it. It speaks more to an internal kind of quality of life, internally driven than having to define something from an external place of what, you know, what maybe an intellectual brain would put towards something. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like they might yes. say, have to describe it or define it. Define it, right. And that so much with art I've found is you can have a big idea and people, they bring to the work what they bring to the work. So I don't mm-hmm. even try and explain it anymore. I mean, some of my stuff is real funny. The old mixed media, I love doing that. It doesn't really matter, you know, what, I guess it does, it doesn't, I don't know. I just, I think it's important just to create and then it, people respond how they respond. You know, I just have found that my collectors have some kind of response to the playfulness, some kind of, Uh like, they just are like, my people, it's not everybody, but they get it. They, they're always kind of excited. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell is she going to do this time? Like, I'm the first person at her booth because mm-hmm. who knows what the heck she's going to come up with because I'm not that 
predictable. You know, I just show up. <laughs> well, I resonate with, with what you're describing because I feel like sometimes Renee and I, when we're talking about our work, we feel like there's an energy behind it that is unspoken and is more than just visual. And there is an attraction to certain collectors that they just walk up and they say, I get it. It makes me happy. And for us, that makes us happy to know that somebody else kind of gets the intention. That's it. For me, that's it. It's like, you'll find your people, you know, and they respond to Mm -hmm. your, your intellect. They can respond to whatever it is that you're serving up, you know? And so my people respond to this weird, joyful, let's try it vibe, you know? But I have to say, I also am so committed in my brain. Like this is a real important thing in my life. This is a real practice that I continually try to learn and try and grow and make mistakes so I can expand it, you know? So I'm not just like Mm -hmm. willy nilly throwing crap out there. I mean, I have to dial it in. I have to finish it. I have to feel it looks, you know, the way I want it to look in the end. But there's a lot of that play in there that resonates. It's still, you know, obvious. I get that balance because the the seesaw can tip too far to one direction where it's all about the outcome and then the work suffers. Yeah. Or you get bored. Like, I don't know if it I'm works bored. for people, but I don't want to be bored. Like, I don't actually really want to think of it as work. It's got to be like really tickling my brain. I got to have little surprises going on. I got to Feed uh-huh. my weird brain. That's, that's just, you know, I love color. I love color against color. Like if I can set myself up for, oh my God, that's freaking awesome. You know that. If you could find another shade of orange. Yes. Your life would be amazing, right? I love orange. It's the truth. And it just, I was thinking about this the other day because I have so much color. I'm looking out my backyard. There's color. There's big striped balls that are lanterny things. There's just color. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if my cones or whatever in my eyeballs, like, just have some extra weird thing about them. (laughs) Because I am, like, delighted by color all day, every day. Like, I seek it out. And then I've been doing all this lighting in our backyard for, you know, and the trees and the thing. And I just look at the way the light's hitting that leaf. Look at the way the light's hitting that color. Look at the change of – it just sends my brain into – I just love it. So maybe my yeah. eyes are different or something. <laughs> We've had, no, I, I am feeling you 100% here. We've, Renee and I have had people like at this museum where we did the um, installation for, where they did, they write about us as being coloristas. And so there is something about that, about color. Mm. And you and I don't have words for it right now, but we're looking at each other and we're getting each other on the same page. <laughs> and isn't it joyful? And isn't it like part of the reason that you love what you do is because it this is. weird thing that's happening with the color. I mean, it's just so joyful. And I worry about the folks who don't have it. <laughs> I think, oh my God, they're just missing. Did they? And I'm always saying, oh my God, look at the light. And, blah, blah. and I'm, people are like, oh, whatever with the light. But I just... It just zings my brain, whatever that is. I got to tell you, a few years ago, we had a designer come in our booth and saying, the new color on the scene, and I was getting really excited to hear about this, she says, is gray. Oh. Gray. 
<laughs> I will full we everyone full disclosure, we're using gray in our work, but I'm it's it's not joyful. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And it's everywhere. Like our house is so not gray. But uh but but the power of a gray or the power of a neutral is so exciting. Yeah in painting because it makes the other guys sing so it's like oh totally. I, love, I love myself a good gray like a warm gray and a cool gray. i'm okay. all about that but but yeah it's just to live with gray i don't know i don't think so gray this gray that but then you know if they have our pops of color on their walls then uh, life is good then it's and life is good that's focus. that's why art's so important <laughs> Yeah. So you've talked about creating a that when people feel stuck or when people are 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 challenged with you know getting inspired that another component to creating that space is actually being in a physical space with physical people around you who share that kind of like-mindedness because that's where sparks start to fly. I, I find that COVID really sent us off to our, our our little homes and things really went to online. We started to look online at each other and communicating online. And it's such a virtual space that that physical space needs to kind of come back if we if we don't want to stay stagnant. I agree with that. That's why when we first got to go back to shows, like yeah. it was so exciting and the 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 collectors were like on fire and the artists were so happy to see each other. Like that is a component. And I do think if I was to give somebody advice, which you know, I, I always say I'm not a I'm not good at anything. Like I'm just, you know, Forrest Gumping my way along. But for young artists, honestly, I I don't think of myself as an authority at all. I'm just doing my little way. But but you're sharing your experiences, which I think that is that's what we need to do in life is to to share share. Yeah, share. I think so too. But certainly, my way is not the right way or the you know the only way. There's I don't have that. I don't like that actually. Yeah, I don't like the onus of thinking I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I do think uh, because our family, John's family, and we have had this shared warehouse space with 23 artists right now, and we've had it for mm -hmm. going on 30 years. It's hard. His mom, of course, mm -hmm. is an artist. And so I think uh, when I meet these great young artists and I say, well, if you're moving, you know, they're moving to a new place, I'm like, search out something like that because you might okay. really gain so much from being in a shared work environment, artist environment, because you support each other's shows and work and you learn. Like when I get stuck, when I work downtown, I have a building in the back of our house, but then we have the downtown studio. You can just poke around the studio and see everybody doing all these wonderful different things and your brain just gets, you know, inspired again if you get stuck, Charged. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a space you used to work in and then you kind of can float back and forth? Or is is the, you call it the art fort? Yeah, the fort. Or is yep, the, the art, art fort, fort out, your back, out your back window there? Is that where you are primarily creating your work? Yeah, I, I like the art fort best because we have a dog and I love the dog and it's right on the water. It's this funny little building that's just fun and it's all colorful of course mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and i like to be outside that's my nature so i pull my big paintings outside i have easels out there i work on i have it all set up i mean i can make really big artwork in this tiny space or mm -hmm. downtown it's called mccray art studios 
where there's 24 of us and it's a beautiful space mm-hmm. for workshops and it's a big building, it's air conditioned, it's all the nice stuff, you know, nicer than yeah. our old buildings. Then I can work there. And I also made uh, recently this big storage place to put storage behind. So I just have all big walls and I can really go to town on big stuff or mm. big paper. So I've got uh, room to experiment uh, on super big stuff down there. And then I've got my everyday. I have a whole set of all my oil paints at both places. It's kind of crazy, mm. but I can, you know, I've got both places I can just dip right in. Cool. It serves different purposes, different functions. And the community is so wonderful. Okay. Now, the classes that you teach and the workshops that you do, I happen to see a few clips of those. They seem pretty, like, well-produced and stuff. They seem like a top-notch type type situation. Can you talk about that and tell us how that came about? Yeah, that was, um, I met this wonderful artist. Her name's Carla Sondheim. And Mm -hmm. I was teaching a workshop out West, which is where she lives. And she was in my class and she was at the back of the class and she was really quiet and just this cool, you know, vibe. And I would look over her shoulder and go, Oh my God, I love what she's doing. Like she's just doing it this old, she has just a wonderful, charming, interesting way. So that's when we first met. And then somewhere along the line, she and her husband, who is brilliant, his name is Steve Sondheim and he's a photographer and all this stuff he had the skills to sort of start filming her and he would just okay. film her hands and then she would speak and she was a little camera shy in the beginning. And so they just built this online business way before anyone else was doing it. I mean, okay. she, she was, and so they slowly built an online sort of a university and she, they would handpick artists that they felt sort of reflected their whatever. And so they're very integrity filled. They're very smart. They're just brilliant. And so, like I said, the first time, would you be interested in filming? And I was like, I don't know how to do it, but sure, let's try it. And they flew in and set up the cameras. (laughs) Yeah. I said, yes. And and I said, okay, (laughs) I'm just going to make this thing and I'll talk through it. And that's what we did. And he you know, the production value is all, the two of them are really smart and he's got three cameras and the right lighting and it's, you know, super well edited and they just have a high quality. They're just a great, they're just a great couple. Yeah. So I got to hook up with them pretty early on, you know. And is that a regular thing that you film classes with them or is that something that was kind of done like you did it and it's, it's archived or whatever? So it's archived. So most all of my classes are now available as self-study. So people buy them, oh. they have them all for forever. Um, same with all the, the teachers there, Carla you know, included. So you, it goes both ways, but you also teach a live class. Like it's a new class and everyone takes it together and this whole online community. It's so well done. And I just got lucky to, you know, hook up with people who are really top notch. So but um, we were doing about, I was doing about two classes every year, spring and fall. And then okay. we did a couple year-long classes together. You know, we just did different stuff. They're always like stretching and growing and they've built a really great business. You know, they're, they're, they're smart. When you say classes, is it like if, if you did like spring and fall, would it be like multiple segments to a bigger package? Yeah. The way it worked for us is that 
I would come up with an idea for a class and we would break it Uh down into say six lessons or 10 lessons. And then it got to where I would go out and film there because they have this whole studio set up and we would talk it through and, you know, there's, really good at, you know, they have great information. And then you'd break it down into lessons and you'd film each lesson. And then you'd package uh-huh. that and you buy that class. So, gosh, what, oh, I have so many. I have quite a few. Big Bold Blooms was what the pr- super popular one with the big messy mm. flower paintings. You know, that was yeah. a big one. But The Essence of Still Life, all these funny little overlapping, cloudy, strange still lives. And gosh, I did a lot of the art of noticing kind of a sketchbooky thing. And so, yeah, but since COVID happened, I wasn't flying out there because, you know, that yeah. didn't seem. Now they're getting like these super well-known Heinrich Drescher, who's this wonderful, you know, illustrator who I love. Like they're just getting anyone they would ask would want to do it with them. Okay. I mean, they're really got a cool stable of teachers. So, but That's I haven't. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, I, I recommend all of her classes. They're just, they're all of her teachers are really great, I have to say. Really great individuals. This grew out of a physical class that you were physically in-person teaching, and she was a student in the class. Have you had any other experiences like that where opportunities kind of sprung from the teaching? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Like, people would take the workshops, the in-person workshops, too, or Mm -hmm. people would take the online workshops. And then one of the gals is like, oh, I do a series of workshops in Mexico and all over the different places in the world. And I want you to come teach with us. And it's a culinary tour as well as a, you know, that kind of thing would just spring out of people taking your class or becoming aware of you. It's just all that crazy. It just kept unfolding. And I said, yeah, okay, yeah, let's try. Let's just see. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah. But one thing that happened a long time ago, I was doing um, St. Louis Art Festival, and there's a woman named uh-huh. Mary Engelbright. She's like a illustrator type, but she um, had a magazine, and it was called mm. Home Companion, which sounds very sweet, but it's also very focused on artists. And so mm-hmm. they came in my booth yeah. at St. Louis, and it was Mary and her editor, and they said, we'd like to do an article on you. We'll come to your studio and you know, photograph it and all that stuff. And I was like, great, let's do it. (laughs) I've never had that before. And they did. And it just went out, you know, and then all these other people like, Oh, I want you to be in my magazine. I want you to be, can you do this? Can you, it just happened because I said yes to Mary and it was a great experience. So you never know. Right. Well, what are you working on now? Any big projects along the way or, you know, tell me about that. Let's see. Just today, uh, we just loaded the van with six paintings that I'm taking to a gallery close by, Gallery Zero. So that's fun. We got that all ready to go. You know, big ones like 46 by 48 by 60. And so that's so that'll be delivered today. And then what else are we doing? Okay, John's getting ready for Jazz Fest. And uh, since I'm not in it, I get to like roam around and eat and drink and watch all the music and have fun. <laughs> well, we'll be there too for the first time ever. Yay! Oh my, you are going to love it. I um, am so excited. 
But the reputation does precede itself. I mean, there's a little bit of like the newness makes me like kind of feel like I'm getting choked off a little bit, but I'm trying just to take a deep breath and, and just put myself there and just let everything unfold and enjoy everything along the way. Oh, I really think you're going to love it. It's a different breed. Like everyone that's there, almost it yeah. seems, has been there year after year. They Once they go, it's so exciting and they are free to spend we're like the art is the main event, you know, is the music and then the food and yeah. then the art. But while they're scrolling around, walking around between the uh, all the music and the goodness, there's art. I, I would tell you one thing that we learned. I don't know if you probably already know this or how your stuff goes, but because they're in such vacation mode and um, we always try and build the shipping into the price so we can offer free shipping because it's one okay. less. They're not going to take the piece and carry it around, the, you know, the, the whole festival. For sure. Yeah. And that way you just go free shipping. That's the thing I was stressing about was how to handle because I want to capture that enthusiasm for the work and I don't want them to think about it and think they're going to come back to us like when they get back from their trip and it's two weeks later. I want to capture them get the whole shipping thing down smooth <laughs> and then they can be on their way and I can pack everything back in the van and send it to them. So that's, that's, that's the thing we're the puzzle we're trying to solve right now. Good. That helps a ton. And you can even put a little sign free shipping. So they just know they can enjoy it. Oh, we'll take that. And then they don't have to worry about it. it shows up at their house when they get back. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there to wrap up here. You and John, have a very well-respected presence out here on the road. I mean, a lot of people know the Whipples. And, oh, that's so um, nice. <laughs> I had an opportunity to talk with some of your dear friends who are involved in Seesaw. And, you know, we are just getting to know each other. And my question to them was, is there anything I should know about Lynn? going into this conversation that might make for a good topic. And they said, Lynn presents to the world in all of her professional ways is who Lynn genuinely is in private, <laughs> that that is that you are who you are. And I am so inspired by not only you putting your creativity out in the world for people to love and enjoy, but fostering and encouraging other people to do the same and making a space for them so that your light, your joy is like a ripple effect. And I want to thank you for that, getting to know you and getting to know about your story. Hey, make me cry. That's the nicest thing. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, oh. I have been struggling. I've talked about this on the podcast, dealing with this physical issue. My work has felt like work. And I put your podcast episode on, um, I'll put it in the episode notes to give her episode a shout out that you did earlier this month. Um, who, what was that? Who was, what was that uh, episode and who was it Kate with? Kate Shepard and it's called Creative Genius. I was doing the most mundane thing in the basement, organizing and getting stuff ready with packing materials. And I found my mood shifting and I felt so much lighter. And the work that we've been making the last few days is making me happy and happy to put it out there. So I want you to know that this, this has really meant a lot to me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine that, that that is the case. Thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot to me. That's just a heartwarming 
What a nice gift to say that. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'll be well, a chocolate mess. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you so much for being on the show today. And I we are going to have a good time in New Orleans here next week. And so thanks oh, for sitting yes, down with me, Lynn. We are. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you. You're just brilliant at what you do. And you're so smart and funny and kind. and. I relate so much to all of our struggles together that you guys are sharing. And do you like oysters? I don't know. And I'm going to have to say yes. Because <laughs> I've never tried them. <laughs> oh, okay. This is going to have to go on your on your thing. You're going to have to try them. On my yes list. On your okay. list. They're so good. Like that is like, yeah. we're going to leave in the morning and just drive us straight through so we can eat oysters at Felix's that night like, oh we love oysters and they have the best oysters in new orleans so that's uh, your we'll, recommendation we'll is to try those while we're there oh gosh yes and if you're a little nervous about the raw they have a broiled one that is just okay flipping awesome the food is i'm good not there. skitterish with when it comes to food believe me i've I tried just about anything <laughs> <laughs> you're Obviously. gonna be happy in new orleans because their food is you can't food get bad is. food there it's all good it's all good awesome. delicious all right thanks so much lynn this has been a blast i really appreciate it's you been a pleasure i appreciate you too thanks douglas okay bye-bye bye-bye well, Douglas, here I am at the end of your conversation with Lynn Whipple, uh, expected to comment on something that I haven't heard yet. Great talk with Lynn. Man, how inspiring was that? Yes. <laughs> She's had these opportunities come to her from, first of all, being an artist. Then someone approached her and said, hey, you should teach a class. And the class happens. And then this TV production of teaching a class comes up. So anyway, the whole thing I'm trying to get to is she does not want to claim to be an expert on anything. That doesn't make her comfortable. She just is sharing her experiences for her personally. And if it resonates with somebody else, that's awesome. But she does not want to be like, this is the way for everybody else. I mean, she's an expert on Lynn, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's inspiring. Mm -hmm. So lean into that. So uh, the fact that people respond to her, she's an expert on herself. (laughs) So just be that. She's an amazing artist and an amazing human. So And knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. Some people have trouble defining all that stuff. It takes sometimes, you know, when you come from a tribe of people who are different, if when you're the alien in the tribe. It takes a while to shake off all that baggage before you kind of know who you are individually. Lynn kind of came out of the gate fully formed in that respect. <laughs> she she had this nurturing tribe of people that were all artists and that just kind of that's that's what produced Lynn. Yeah. Uh, so I reject that, Lynn. I reject you saying that you're not an expert. All you have to do is be an expert on yourself <laughs> and we're just going to uh, take, take a little uh, piece of that this week. You know, I really – was genuine when I I wanted to thank her for what she did for me this week. But also, you know, the ripple effect that her brightness has on the artist community. Getting ready for this interview, I wanted to rewatch her video that was shown on Seesaw last year. That was a project on YouTube that Keena Crow, Chris Dahlquist, and Beth Bajorski put on that was uh, really entertaining. Those videos are still up. They interviewed some of our favorite folks, and, and there's some really entertaining talks that are on there. Well, they really showcased artists while we were all in lockdown or for each other and also for collectors so that they could 
you know, kind of see behind the scenes and see in people's studios, which are still live. You can you can look up Seesaw that, on YouTube yeah. and watch their whole series. But anyway, I watched this, this segment with Lynn Whipple. And at the end of it, Kina shared a very touching moment. She shared that when she wanted to get into the art show world and transition out of working in TV, she was working at Nickelodeon. And somebody said, you know what? You should reach out to a friend of mine, Lynn Whipple, and you should ask her for advice. Kina reached out to her, shared some of her work. And Lynn Whipple, they didn't know each other at the time. This was back in 2000 or whatever. Lynn responded with this encouragement. And this encouragement is what propelled Kina forward into her career. And look at Kina's impact on the world with her work. So it's really a ripple effect of what we do as artists and how we impact others and the creativity that builds and builds and builds from there. And I just think that's such an awesome, awesome way to be. It is an awesome way to be. And uh, I appreciate you interviewing, uh, I don't know, such inspiring kind of folks. It's It's been, um, it's funny, you you needed a little pick-me-up, so you interviewed Lynn. I need a little bit of comfort, so I leaned into Bennett. It's, it's nice that yeah. we have this community that we can kind of get that kind of comfort and support from. So... Yeah. Good times. I didn't think we were going to have a podcast here this week, Douglas, so nice work. That. Yeah, and I hope you have a really good trip. You've got some really fun things planned between shows, and hey, I'll check in with you when you get back. Absolutely. We have some exciting interviews coming up. Uh, Annie Bassone promises that she's going to eventually talk to me, so folks that have been asking for fiber <laughs> artists, I promise we're not just kicking the can down. She's kicking my ass with this thing. Get on the interview with me, lady. We got to talk. Well, she's a busy lady. I mean, I understand. Understand. This is not an easy thing to make time for, Absolutely. but when she does have the time, I, for one, am going to be so excited to hear what it's she has to say. It's high energy. She's good people. And if we, if, we, if we talk about it here, Douglas, maybe we'll put her on the spot and get her to come I on. I know. She's going to be like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down in ink. I got to show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. We'll get to it. She is very busy. We all are. All right, Douglas. All thanks right. again for uh, doing this with me. It's been a, been a good week in, in spite of all of the challenges, and, and we'll see you next time. Really? appreciate you, man. Thanks for all your work. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Independent Artists. The website is naiaartists.org. Also sponsored by Zapplication. That's zapplication.org. And while you're at it, check out Will's website at willarmstrongart.com and my website at sigwithglass.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. 